1: So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase
2: necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. You're going to have a great time listening to Stu and his guests. You're welcome to stay all you want and repeat, repeat, and keep on listening. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time Your host, Stu
3: Palmer! A warm, warm welcome. It is episode 127 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. And my guest today is Canadian long-time pro wrestler, Jeremy Profit. Jeremy has been around the business for many, many years. He was trained by Jacques Rougeau way back in 2003. And he's a contestant in the Loose Academy Tournament. It is the finale this weekend. The winner will get a shot at the Nightmare Factory, the training school led by QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes and will win $5,000 as well and will also get a chance of getting on AEW television. Jeremy also discusses tryouts that he's had with WWE, TNA and Impact and the feedback he received over the years and also being a host on the Jofo pod in Canada with Frank Jofo. He's had some great interviews. I really, really implore you to look at some of the old footage they've got and some of the latest footage they've got on the podcast apps and on YouTube. So without further ado, my guest for episode 127 of Stu's SM podcast is the Harbinger of Truth. It is longtime pro wrestler. The man has so much charisma. It's Jeremy Prophet, all the way from Canada. Enjoy. <laughs> My guest today, we are back in Canada. We had Jacques Rougeau on not too long ago on this podcast, and I know he's a mentor, a guy that trained you. It is Mr. Jeremy Prophet, longtime pro wrestler. An absolute honor to have you on the show, man.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all mine, Stewie. I'm so glad to get to share my story with your wonderful audience and expand my horizons because uh, there, there's quite a bit of land and definitely a lot of ocean that separates the two of us. So I'm always glad to get the chance to enlighten another audience. And uh, who knows, once it's all said and done, hopefully uh, it can get me a couple of matches uh, in your backyard. Well,
3: we've got plenty of promotions over here. As you know, we are chock, chock to the gills. Let me tell you over here, it's absolutely thriving. I know it has been for like a decade or so now. So we'd, I'd have you, if I was a promoter, I'd be booking you. I'd be getting you over here. Now, First order of business, we've got Lutz Academy, the academy that Jacques Rougeau has set up. And there's a chance of getting to the Nightmare Factory for the winner. And, you know, it could lead to AEW and a contract there. Now, I know you've wrestled for many, many years. You're a guy that I want to see win the whole thing. So, yeah, how was the first event? Because it was just a few weeks ago.
0: Well, I can only speak for myself, but I have to say it was absolutely tremendous. I mean, don't take my word for it. Go to wrestling-academy.ca and you'll be able to find the link on YouTube. You'll be able to watch and see for yourself. Uh, And quite frankly, as you mentioned, it's a competition that's a big opportunity for a lot of people. It's an opportunity that I intend on seizing because I am very serious about this. I want to make my living doing this. Uh, Maybe I take professional wrestling a, a lot more seriously than the next guy. But I always want to give my best and make sure that the people get their money's worth when they see me. So when it comes to comparing me to the other people in the Wrestling Academy, you, you really don't have to take my word for it. Go watch the show. Uh, it's like I put on my social medias the day before the first round. I said, I want to set the bar so high that it discourages everybody else, all the other male competitors that are in there, because they'll just say, wow, you know, how is it that I have any chance of winning when I'm against Jeremy Prophet? Uh, In fact, people actually came up to me and said that they were going to enter wrestling academy, but chose not to because they thought there was only one winner and they figured how can they beat me? Uh, look, I've been refining my skills for almost 17 years now. Um, been going nonstop, never had an injury, no concussions, no torn ligaments, no broken bones, nothing, never took a day off, uh, because I'm just built for this. So realistically, like I said, in my hype video for wrestling academy, How does anyone else expect to win when the best looking best talker and most important of all, best wrestler all happen to be the same person? What chance does anybody else have? I don't have to hang my head low and be humble and say, Oh, you know, I hope I'm going to win. No, I am going to win this because I've been ready for a competition like this for years now, you know, I I was almost signed to the WWE in 2010. So really, it's just been a lack of scouting by a lot of these major companies that have overlooked a -a once-in-a-generational talent like myself. And again, if you don't believe me, go watch my performance compared to everyone else you'll see there on Wrestling Academy. I mean, you're going to see people wrestling in t-shirts because they're ashamed of their bodies because they haven't put in the kind of work someone like Jeremy Prophet has. You're going to see people on there scared to talk for more than 10 seconds because they can't sit here and entertain you in a podcast or uh, an hour plus, like Jeremy Profit can, and you're going to see people who go in there and, and can barely even run the ropes properly. So, you know, a lot of it ranges from being kind of, you know, amateur hour at the Apollo to, you know, future world championship caliber, much like myself. So I see it as a great opportunity. I see it as one that I'm going to seize. And, yeah, I'm going to win that prize money, head down to the Nightmare Factory, and, hey, if they have a student down there at the Nightmare Factory that's as good as Jeremy Profit, the only question I have for them is, Well, why is he not AEW
3: world champion already? Confidence personified. I love it, sir. I love it. And why not? Why not? Why not, man? You're a a veteran. And as you say, you know, you've had opportunities with WWE. You've been on SmackDown. Uh, You know, you've nearly held 50 titles across different promotions. That, that's a blueprint for me. Uh, that, that's, uh, you're, you're a prototype. You're a modern-day prototype, and you've got everything. You know, you've got the in-ring skills. But you've also got the verbiage. You've got the verbal side as well, which isn't easy to do. A lot of people are looking for one or, or another, aren't they?
0: Well, a lot get too comfortable being good at one thing. Uh, I often say it. You have people who are great uh, acrobats or great technicians or good brawlers, whatever it might be. They rest on that laurel when it comes to professional wrestling. Others can talk the talk, can talk people into the building. You know, they have a gift of gab, if you will. And that's all they bring to the table. Once the bell rings, it's gone and forgotten about. You have others, great physiques. Um, You know, a lot of them got there by by maybe dubious chemical shortcuts. Uh, Unlike Jeremy Prophet, who's been natural and slow and steady to building his body in a healthy way his entire career as an athlete. Um, But again, they rest on the laurel of having the look, and that's where the buck stops. With me, I do believe I am as close to a complete wrestler as possible, because I can wrestle any style. You can put me in any kind of a speaking situation, and I'll excel. And you put me on a poster, put me up against the next guy, put me up against world champions, and you'll see where my appearance compares. So I bring it all to the table, and I refine my skills every day. I, I want to be so good at this that I want people to see me and I want them to be discouraged that they are not as good as me. I want people to be uh, of the understanding that they have leaps and bounds to go. They have to, to climb the equivalent of, of Mount Kilimanjaro or, or Everest uh, to get to the level that I'm at because I want to keep improving with everything I do. I don't get complacent and say, OK, I can elicit a reaction, any reaction I want from an audience. I don't have to be good anymore. I can just stick to a few things. No, you go watch a Jeremy Profit match. Watch any match. You'll never see the same match twice. I'm not one of these guys where it's the same moves in the same order at the same time. And if you watch a lot of your favorites, you'll see that that's how their matches break down. In my case, you always get something original. Hell, you can call me the man of a million moves because you can expect the unexpected. You can expect something different each time. And that's by design because I'm always improving, always evolving. To be able to be the best version of me possible, which has not even been achieved yet. But I think I'm pretty damn good where I stand right now, and I intend on getting better.
3: Absolutely. And furthermore, once you do get up to the big, you know, the big events, the big shows, the big companies, you want to be the first Canadian Blackwheel champion as well, don't you? You're not just stopping at the academy, are you?
0: No, absolutely not. And I think that, that would be short sighted to do something like that, because I'm not happy with five thousand dollars. Uh, You know, I'm not happy with five million dollars. I want to be something that people are going to remember for years to come. You know, I'm not just in this to, um, you know, say that I made it and then coast once I get there. I want to fight every single day that I get the opportunity to be on a stage with a microphone in front of me, to be in a ring in front of millions if not billions of people and I want to fight like my life depends on it I want to fight like I don't know where my next meal is coming from and you got to keep that same hunger even once you've made it and so like I said the most important thing for me is giving the people what they want and that's how you leave a legacy doing this yeah I want to be the first black Canadian heavyweight champion of the world because it hasn't been done it should have been done by now but unfortunately uh you know a lot of times we get overlooked even in our own country we get overlooked uh, because we don't have that same level of exposure uh, like they do in the United States. So when it comes down to it, you actually have to be, by definition, to get a work visa, better than an American. So I want to not only be better than an American to get a job, I want to be the best. So people can you know, look at me and say, hey, it just so happens that the best wrestler in Canada actually happens to be a person of color, proud of who they are. Proud to be Canadian, proud to be a Quebecer, proud to be black, proud to represent all those different things. Not just talk the talk, but put in the work. Because a lot of people can talk the talk, but then by the time they actually get the chance to do what they say they can, they don't deliver. So I'm not here trying to be a salesman. Uh, I'm actually more of a delivery man. Because everything that I promise doesn't go beyond my capabilities and doesn't go beyond what I'm able to deliver and present to the paying audience.
3: Please, 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 you can vote for Mr. Profit. At the Wrestling Academy, Lutz Academy, fantastic concept. And yeah, there's more to come from Jeremy Prophet. absolutely. Now, you were trained by Jacques Rougeau. We'll go back to Jacques. What did you take away? What was the best stuff you took away from Jacques Rougeau? Because he was, you know, so high up in the business in his day.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a a blessing to get to learn from Jacques uh, back when I started. It was in late 2003, I started my training. And um, I feel very honored to have had the opportunity to learn from him, from someone who's accomplished as much as Jacques has. Um, one of the things Jacques was always very, um, he put a big emphasis on, was the theatrical side of wrestling, having expression, making everything you do seem believable, which has to start from within. You have to believe it yourself. And as you can see with Jeremy Prophet, uh, there are no lies. You can hook me up to a polygraph. And that line would stay straight and narrow the entire way because I I don't say anything that I don't believe myself. And furthermore, I don't say anything that's not the truth, because when you speak the truth, you can speak freely like I do. You don't have to try to hype yourself and and lie your way through these kinds of interviews, uh, thinking of a lie and then trying to survive the moment and lying through the next one to justify the one at the beginning. No, I just say what comes to mind and I just speak the truth. I'm not going to say I'm better than I am, but I'm damn sure going to say how good I am. And you can scrutinize it. You can put it under a microscope. It will stand the test of time. Um, so, I mean, Jacques was very big on believability. He was very big on, like I said, expression, little details. But, you know, you have to have that belief in you so that the people can see. And I'm a firm believer in you got to believe in yourself so strongly that people are going to look at you and they're going to say, you know, I'm, I'm just a I'm an idiot if I don't believe in that person, because look at how much he believes in himself. And like I said, when you can believe in yourself and you can deliver, you're unstoppable. You know, like when I'm in the ring, man, I'm a force of nature in there. You know, I'm not someone who's going to be upstage. I'm someone who's going to push the envelope and who's going to, who's going to do my best to bring out the best in my opponents and say, look, now you got to level up. Now you got to step up your game because as soon as I walk onto the scene, I'm sorry, but you stop existing. So if you're not willing to step it up, you're going to be gone and forgotten and I'm going to be the one standing tall at the end of the night. So I think a lot of that comes from my early training where it's like, you just got to believe in yourself. And it's the main thing that I took away from my time at Jacques
3: Wrestling School. Amazing. Amazing. The bedrock there for you in, in later, later terms of your career, man. Also, what I'd like to ask you, inspirations uh, for you getting into wrestling, who were who some of the guys and gals that you loved loved watching Years ago, from yesteryear.
0: When I first started watching wrestling, um, Brett the Hitman Hart was by far my favorite. Uh, loved all of his matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, really thought that the WWF at the time did him dirty. And, uh, you know, it was, it was for me, right from the first time I turned professional wrestling on on TV, the first match I ever saw was Bret Hart. It was Bret Hart against Blake Beverly. And that hooked me in. And I always say, had it been other people, uh, who knows if wrestling would have been as captivating to me. I maybe would have you know, chosen to pursue another career. But uh, I saw Brett work, and I just wanted to watch this sport every week. I wanted to see the progression. And Brett's matches were you know, top-notch. Um, so he would be my first favorite wrestler inspiration. Uh, call it what you will. Um, from there, you know, I liked a lot of the wrestlers also that, that had that great speaking ability. Uh, so see, I don't just follow and, and enjoy the work of wrestlers who are, um, they, they do one thing I like. I like looking at you know, the whole board. I like looking at what everyone brings to the table and, and I can find enjoyment in many different styles of wrestling. So I like the great talkers. I like the great technicians, the great brawlers. Um, obviously, you know, you see me work, uh, the high flying is a, a very big influence as well. But, you know, it, it's finding that intangible, finding that X factor and, and dissecting it. That's what I enjoy doing in, in watching wrestling is, you know, why is this person so popular? You know, is it the wrestling? Is it the personality? Is it, is it the way they walk, the way they talk? There's so much about wrestling that can be scrutinized and dissected. And I think that a lot of times people maybe watch it from a fan perspective and just kind of sit back and enjoy the show. And I think even some wrestlers are guilty of this. But, I mean, I really watch it under a, a fine-tooth comb. I watch it right down to the, the minutia, to the, 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 the rudiments of professional wrestling to be able to extract what is that X factor, that it factor, and then be able to add that to my game. So I'm learning while I'm enjoying. And I always knew I was going to be a professional wrestler. That was always the destiny. Um, you know, had a lot of other opportunities in life, but that's always been my calling. That's always been the thing that I want to do. And like I said, I want to make my living doing this. I take this business very seriously. This is the absolute paramount of my existence. And so, yeah, I mean, wrestlers like Bret Hart, um, I I love, uh, you know, Chris Jericho back in the day. Huge inspiration uh, with what he was able to do in WCW, even maybe, you know, only getting a fraction of airtime, but being able to make it the most memorable thing uh, with his promo abilities. Great wrestler. Uh, diverse, jack of all trades, able to do a lot, you know, almost like a, like what I am, more or less. Um, and, you know, to bring it to a more modern modern times, I uh, always loved AJ Styles uh, to this day, love his work. Uh, I think that he and I would have uh, had a hell of a match. Mm-hmm. A lot of promoters mm-hmm. let that one slip through their fingers. They're probably kicking themselves now and they're declaring their, their second bankruptcy, a third foreclosure on their houses because uh, they didn't put that one out there and reap the benefits of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to narrow it down to a few, but I think that those would be the main ones that would be the, uh, the biggest inspirations from, you know, the past all the way
3: up to the present. I know you obviously do tag team as well. Some, some tag teams, Jeremy, just like the guys, the guys that you like like watching, and even into the present day, people you like watching, so it's not just, you know, going back as well. Yeah, I mean, tag team wrestling, it's a, it's a whole different ballgame, and it's one that I realized I didn't really sink my teeth
0: into that much. So um, it just so happened that uh, with uh, Carl Jepsen now, I'm part of the Black Quebecois, mm-hmm. uh, which is a play on the Bloc Quebecois, which is actually a political party uh, here in Quebec. That For those of you who don't you know, understand the, the lay of the land and the politics here, um, there, there's actually a group. It's a very pro-Quebec um, group within Canada. Uh, they don't get any votes outside of Quebec, but they can get enough votes in Quebec to actually form the official opposition and have some say in the government. Uh, so they're called the Bloc Quebecois. Uh, we created the Black Quebecois, obviously, because we're both black, my partner and I. And uh, it's just caught on like wildfire. And yeah, when it comes to, to inspirations and tag teams, I mean, you know, I grew up during the era of the, the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, you know, that era of tag teams, the APA, uh, you know, really the Attitude Era teams there. Those were the teams that I grew up watching and enjoyed. And I think with our team, though, we don't necessarily have the same dynamic as any one of those teams. I think it's a very different dynamic. I kind of compare ours to like, a, like an updated Hart Foundation, uh, like Brett and Anvil, because, uh, you know, me being more of the, uh, you know, they used to describe them as I think it was something like they're, they're a Ferrari and a Mack truck or some type of an analogy like that. And I think that's kind of our team because, you know, I'm the speed, I'm the, uh, the finesse. Uh, but also the, the, the viciousness and, and the indestructible one at the same time. Uh, hence why I've done this 17 years and never had an injury. Um, but Carl Jetson, you know, he's a great athlete himself. He's, he's a big, strong guy um, who has tremendous otherworldly agility, can come off the top rope, can dive, um, and hits hard. Uh, we still debate who chops harder. A lot of people think that it's him uh, because he throws more chops and has these uh, gigantic handprints on his singlet. Uh, But I still believe I hit much harder than him. So uh, when it comes down to it, I think that's a great dynamic that we have. We have great chemistry and ring. Um, And I don't get to tell this story often, but one of the things that's really intriguing about our team is that Carl Jeffson was a fan in the audience uh, in a town called Thetford Mines, where he's the only wrestler from that town. It's about three hours north of Montreal. He was a fan in the audience, and I just saw him there. Um, Biggest guy in the building. And I said to him, and this is going all the way back, by the way, to about 2010, 2011. I said to him, you know, why don't you become a wrestler? And then I started training him. And then lo and behold, here we are 10, 11 years down the line. And we're a tag team, tag team champions all over the place, traveling the entire country, uh, you know, kicking ass, taking names. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm having so much fun teaming with him. And I think we're the best team in Canada right now. Objectively, I mean, again, go watch Wrestling Academy. Throw, throw a few votes our way at the same time. Uh, but watch what we do in there in our two-on-three handicap match, which is a handicap match for our opponents, because anyone who has to be in there with us, you know, you're know, you going to wake up sore and, and questioning your decision to engage in this sport uh, once we lay hands on you. Uh, go in there and watch it. And I, I tell you, you can look the whole country over from, from St. John's, Newfoundland, all the way to Vancouver, British Columbia. And you will not find a team as good as us. I will put that up against anyone. Bring us the best. We will, you line them up, we'll take them down because that's what we do. And uh, our performances, it's always the same. We always leave the people wanting more, but, you know, standing, clapping, giving us that standing ovation, that respect that wrestlers all seek to have. You watch a Black Quebecois match, you're going to get your money's worth. Guaranteed.
3: Perfectly put full circle there as well, picking him, seeing him in the audience, man. So you never know, dear. You? you never know where the next guy's gonna come from. You had the foresight, seeing him there. So absolutely, absolutely. Now you've had tryouts. You've had tryouts at WWE, you've been on SmackDown Impact as well. How how was that for you? How how are the how the tryouts been for you from your perspective?
0: Well, I'm still here, aren't I? So um clearly, clearly they dropped the ball, they left money on the table. Um, but you know, uh, whatever, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing of live and let live. Um, I personally believe that those triumphs all went well, e- every single one of them. It's always the same story. They see Jeremy prophet and they say, okay, this guy, there's something about him. We, we see there's something going on. There's something special. He doesn't look like our typical, you know, guy with a crew cut and trunks that, uh, you know, are a dime a dozen through independence, uh, pretty much the world over. And so it, that usually gets their gears turning. And then I get the chance to perform. I get the chance to show what I can do in front of a microphone, in front of uh, you know officials, while we're in the ring and whatnot. But uh, you know, with W W E, for example, I will say I feel they gave me a fair shot. Uh, I went down to Florida, and I think I absolutely aced it. Everyone down there loved me. Uh, Everyone—Tom Pritchard, uh, Steve Kern, Norman Smiley, Dusty—they—they all loved me. They hired uh, Jinder Mahal after he had wrestled against me. Uh, that was the last match of the camp pat patterson said we want to see the best they put me and jinder in there we already know each other we had already wrestled on the independence he's canadian he's from alberta mm-hmm. we had a hell of a match and they gave him the contract they said they could only give out one contract usually john Laurinaitis would be there and they would give out multiple contracts however umaga's funeral was that uh, weekend so he wasn't there so they were only able to give out one uh steve kern even pulled me aside he was saying goodbye to everybody as we were leaving Pulled me aside, said, you have nothing to worry about. You impressed all of us. You did great. Story of Jeremy Prophet's career. Anytime I show up at anywhere where there are uh, scouts, decision makers, they, they all have that same reaction. How can someone this universally talented, objectively talented, go under the radar? And, you know, there's probably people watching and they're saying, oh, this guy's of himself. He just talks about how good he is. Look, you know, you can scrutinize me all you want. You'll see I am as good as I, I say I am. You know, Bret Hart always said he was the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And he was, you know, I'm just doing things my own way. I look at people and I say, yeah, okay, you're good, but, but I'm better than you ever have been and better than you ever will be. And that's because I work for it and I deliver. So if I'm not your cup of tea, I, I, I understand. Don't worry, Jeremy Prophet is not everybody's cup of tea, but Jeremy Prophet's not going to hang his head and, and be humble about the things that he works for, sheds blood, blood, sweat, and tears day in, day out to achieve. I'm very proud of what I do. And so uh, if it comes across braggadocious, Oh, well, anyways, with that said, uh, with WWE, I feel that they, they, they more or less gave me a fair shot with, with FCW, uh, just that it's not a game of how good you are. It, it, it's more of who you know. Uh, it, it's who you're friends with. It's a game of timing. That's professional wrestling. It's a lot of, a lot of backstabbing, bribing, uh, you know, the, the, these kinds of things. So when it comes down to it, I was just someone who's doing the work. I was someone who, I was not a politician. I'm not someone who kisses ass. Uh, I'm just somebody who believes that in being the best that you can be and that your hard work will pay off. Unfortunately, not always the case. Not making excuses. I went to TV for WWE. I did Raw and SmackDown. I cornered John Laurinaitis. It's a famous story that I've told on other podcasts. And I straight up said to him, look, I want to work for this company. Uh, you know, But without going into more elaborate Verbiage than that because I know it's like, look, you guys have hired people who've never wrestled a day in their life. You've hired people who have no respect for this business. I tremendously respect the business and I want to succeed at this, and I have the skills. I see people on TV on a weekly basis who do not have my skills. So let's uh, let's make this happen. What do I have to do? What is missing, in your opinion? And you know, we went back and forth, he and I, and eventually, you know, they brought me into the promo room and said, okay, well, we'll shoot you in promo. I was the only one they shot in promos. There were other people there, other wrestlers trying out. Sami Zayn was there trying out. Uh, You know, he he didn't have a job at the company yet. And they only brought me into the promo room, and they shot me in promos. And they felt that my promos at the time were a little over the top. So I can't begrudge them because they gave me a a genuine shot. A shot where, you know, if I had that shot now, um, you know, they'd be throwing down extra zeros on a contract for me and saying, we need you on TV like ASAP because, you know, you're the guy who's going to change the game here. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, the next day, they still gave me uh, the match on TV. And from there, I think that a lot of the onus is on me because I should have stayed on top of it. I should have stayed in touch with them. Uh, maybe that's what they would have wanted. They wanted to see, you know, is this guy going to be hungry for this? Is he going to, you know, come running like, like Pavlov's dog when we ring the bell and, you know, suddenly you know, there he'll be, you know, he'll be there. I didn't stay on top of it. I just took them at their word that, you know, when Steve Kern told me, you have a future here and, and you have nothing to worry about. Keep your phone on. I'm sure they're going to call you and offer you a deal. I just took that for granted because he said it. I mean, what? why would I think otherwise? Um, with that said, I didn't stay on top of them. And then, you know, with the way the business always is changing, then there was NXT. Now they're looking more to hire people who have bigger names on the independent scene. But when they say independent scene, it's kind of one of those, um, one of those oxymorons, kind of like how, you know, in, in professional baseball, Uh, Major League Baseball, they call it the World Series, despite the fact that there's uh, only American teams and one Canadian one. So it's not really a World Series. Um, So, in saying we're hiring people from the American and from the independent scene, what they really mean is the American independent scene, uh, where we have a border that literally stops us from going, even if we're not getting paid. They can say, Oh, well, you're taking a job away from an American citizen who would otherwise be able to have that spot. So, when I go and do tryouts in 2012, and uh, you know uh, Stephen Regal is in charge, and he's saying, you know, we're we're looking to hire wrestlers, uh, you know, ones who've made names for themselves, like in Ring of Honor or in PWG, and these are the places they're going and scouting. Well, look, we have a legal barrier that prevents us from going there. It's not that we're not good enough. Hell, I could mop the floor with any of those people on there. I I can. I, I, some people would say I can hang with the best of them. No, they, I'm sure they can hang with me maybe on a good day, but I can I can actually push these people beyond the level that people expect of them uh, in any of those companies. And, you know, And if, I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. But, you know, if I, if I were given the opportunity, people would see that. However, legally, we can't go. We can be stopped at the border. We most of the time are. I've wrestled in the United States. I've never made a dime from it. But unfortunately, uh, every time you go across, you're being searched. You're being questioned. They're, they're going through your phone. They're doing everything short of a cavity search. Uh, to, to make it difficult for you. And the bottom line is, is that by definition, you know, you were being, uh, you're taking a job away from an American citizen by doing that. So yeah, you have to get a work visa. Getting a work visa, not that easy. You're looking at paying upwards of five grand, um, you know, which, which is the tip of the iceberg really because for a money issue, I, I just pay for it because quite frankly, education costs a lot more than a work visa and it's an investment in yourself. And I believe wholeheartedly in myself that I would make a return on that investment uh, a, a thousand fold. But when it comes down to it, you need to have documented proof that you are uh, an elite performer, that you can do the job better than an American citizen. And it's, it's not as though this is uh, a sport where it's objective and I can say, well, I've won this many matches. Uh, you know, I've, I've won uh, 800 out of my 1,200 matches that I've done in my career, and I've won close to 50 championships, as he so kindly said before. Um, it, it's, it's not the case. So you have to be able to justify these things. And you need a company with enough stroke and enough pull to endorse you. And there's only a few companies that can do it. Only AEW, WWE, Impact, and, and that's about it. Even a, a company, I hate to mention them, but even a company like MLW has failed to be able to acquire work visas uh, for, for at least two people that I know of. And, uh, you know, not their fault. It's really not their fault. Just that, you know, they've not been able to. Hence why you don't see any Canadians in a company like that. Um With that said, you know, they don't realize that. And I think that was one of the big uh, points of friction and conflict uh, with WWE that second time around, in that we were being treated as second-class citizens because we weren't members of Ring of Honor or PWG or any of the Evolve or any of the big-name independent companies. So that was one of the things that was a hindrance to getting, I guess, the WWE back in my second round of tryouts. And literally, when I did my tryouts with Impact, when I did their gut check, um, I did that, impressed everybody. Uh, you know, had Jeff Jarrett come down from the bleachers very early on into the competition to pull me aside and, and start questioning me. And, you know, Lo Brown also said, you know, I have a future with this company. Um, many times I would go to their events and talk to them just to kind of do what I didn't do the first time around with WWE. Cause I really felt I could be an asset to TNA at the time. Um, it, it just, it, it really upset me when
1: A woohooer! a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase
0: necessary. BGW for void. We're prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18+. I was being told multiple times, you know, we're pushing mm-hmm. for you, we're trying to get you in, and then I would see... Uh, you know, DJ Z show up on TV, and then I would see, uh, you know, some other person that they, they end up hiring. And it's like, you know, you're, you're bringing in these people when you have me who can do all the things that they do and, and, and even more. So, and, you know, no disrespect to DJ Z. I had the chance to wrestle him, I think, in one of his last matches before he went on to become part of Legado del Fantasma. But, um, you know, it's just a case of taking these Americans, giving them spots over a, a superiorly talented Canadian. And that's what I ran into. And then I was outright told by D'Lo Brown, hell, if you ever get him in an interview, you can ask him. I was outright told that the issue was that I was Canadian and they were not hiring Canadians at that that's time. That's crazy. So, so I, I, would, I would I would, love for him to dispute that story. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look, if we were on a, on a witness stand giving testimony and, and under oath, uh, the man would be perjuring himself uh, if he were to say anything to the contrary. So when it comes down to it, I was literally told this face-to-face by him that the issue was that I was Canadian. So my, my citizenship, uh, the place I was born in, is what hindered me from having that opportunity and being able to be the star that, you know, you can all realise now
3: I'm, I'm destined to be. It's crazy, it's crazy, man. And then just going back to what you said, it, it, being over the top in a promo, that's what they want. They want an extension of you. As your wrestling character, they then bemoan people that come in and don't know how to speak or talk. I, that's crazy. I know it was a long time ago now. I don't. That that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. If you're confident in your own abilities, it's not arrogance. It's confidence.
0: Well, you see, I think the business is always changing, and it's interesting because of all people, guess who they compared my over-the-top promos to? Of all the people they could, to take a guess.
3: I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with The Rock. I could be in the wrong ballpark That's here.
2: That's exactly it. Right. Okay.
3: I said, right, so. Okay. So Steve Lombardi himself, the, the
0: Brooklyn Brawler, mm. who I had, you know, on an episode of Joe Foe in the Ring, I had a chance to speak with him. He, he said it himself. You know, when, when he spoke to me, that my promos reminded him of The Rock. And at that time, 2010, he said, "Look, if The Rock were ever to come back, he wouldn't be able to do those kinds of promos." he'd have to, you know, be more serious and more toned down and uh, more matter of fact. And so at the time they wanted promos like The Miz. They they wanted promos that were that were, you know, in that style. So mine were like The Rock, which I take as a great compliment because I love The Rock and clearly The Rock has been the most successful professional wrestler of all time. More people know who The Rock is than than anyone, really, than Hogan, than Austin. He's crossed over into the mainstream. And uh, to draw comparisons to The Rock I think that that's, that's fantastic. I'll, I'll embrace those, those compliments. You know, I won't be Ricky Starks about it and try to deny it, even though I, you know what I do is, you know, mostly in the vein of being The Rock. Uh, I'll embrace those compliments because The Rock is a, a once-in-a-generation superstar in both wrestling and in entertainment in general. However, it wasn't good enough for WWE in 2010, and they did say, you know, work on that, come back, and, you know, we'll give you another shot. And when I came back in 2012, um i i believe my promos i aced it everyone loved it even even regal who i feel you know didn't necessarily like me um loved my promo and said you could talk with the best of them you can talk just as good as anyone we have down in developmental you can talk as good as moxley you can talk which doesn't mean much to me quite honestly but said you can talk as good as moxley you can talk as good as any of these guys uh unfortunately he said he didn't like my uh, my my in-ring footwork so you know that little minor detail uh, was what I guess didn't allow me to go further at that time. Um, so it's one little, little tiny scrutinized detail that I think, you know, kept me from being able to generate a lot of revenue for that company, uh, and and for myself as well. So when it comes down to it, I think there are a lot of people that maybe have fantastic, exceptional footwork, um, you know, of which good for them, uh, who I don't feel would ever draw a dime or generate any kind of interest or revenue or connect with the common viewer let alone the viewer who maybe has never seen wrestling flips through the channels sees this person speaking talking wrestling looking as only i can look and decide you know what i'm, I'm going to continue watching this and add a rating point onto this broadcast
3: that yeah, i just hope i just hope for you mom because you've stuck out it so long it's it's crazy it's crazy man you know it I've, I've seen it i've seen seen your work i've seen matches you know what i mean so yeah hopefully hopefully with the Academy, you'll get it and you'll win it. I hope you do. Right. Moving on, moving on. You said about the JoFo pod, you were co-host on that. Um I'm, I'm still assuming you do, do stuff with that. Of course. Yeah. How, how has it been? What have you enjoyed doing that? You know, it's another, another uh, feather in your cap. Yeah.
0: So when it comes to JoFo, they started doing the show before me. Uh, we're all kind of childhood friends. And um, when it comes down to it, I saw what they were doing and said, I think that, you know, I could help you guys. I could help add a little bit of flavor to a broadcast that's already uh, pretty much going in the right direction. And, you know, using some of my connections in wrestling to get us various guests um, to ask the hard hitting questions. Cause I'm a journalist by trade. That's my education. Mm-hmm. That's what I went to college for. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a writer and I'm a, a broadcaster. I've been in broadcast and podcasts since easily since uh, the, the mid 2000s. Um, you know I I hosted when I was in college I hosted a radio wrestling show that aired throughout college then we eventually got it onto TSN radio which is the Canadian equivalent of ESPN Um, so we got it onto actual sports radio it was available in podcast form this is going all the way back to the mid-2000s I think maybe 2008 or so is when we struck that deal through 2008 until uh, 2013 2014 or so uh, I continued doing that and then Took a break to focus more directly on wrestling and then found my way to JoFo. So I'm actually the most experienced broadcaster slash podcaster in the JoFo group. And maybe that's what facilitates my ability to be so comfortable in front of a microphone and on screen. But when it comes down to it, uh, I think that we're a great eclectic fit. I think that we all have unique skill sets that lend itself to the entertainment and informative sides of JoFo in the ring because. I don't just want to be a, a fluff presenter. Uh, I want to ask the hard-hitting questions, even if it's to my own detriment. I want to be able to ask the things that might make people a little bit uncomfortable, but I want to get to the truth. Uh, being the harbinger of truth is a two-way street. It's that I speak the truth, but I want to pull the truth out of other people. Um, sometimes you need, to, you need to keep people accountable in the wrestling business. So if there's something that's being talked about and no one wants to take it to the actual front line to the person, I want to do that. I don't want to be seen as somebody that gives anybody a free pass. I'm I'm outspoken by nature. I'm I'm aggressive and confrontational by nature, definitely. I don't back down from a fight. And um, if there's anything that needs to be said, I'd rather say it to somebody's face than behind their back. And definitely everything I say is exactly what I would say to people's faces uh, in life, regardless of the consequences. I got two hands. I know how to defend myself. So if there are any issues, people want to take issue with me seeking the truth, well, then, you know, we we can settle it. Like uh, we can settle it like gentlemen or we can settle it like savages. Uh, so that's how that's the same approach I bring to my wrestling and to my uh, my journalism is that I want to get to the truth. I want to ask the hard hitting questions because
3: people 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 deserve to know the truth. Well, 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 well who would you like to interview who would be on the you know, on the list? To get, he'd like to speak to, you know, if there was Jeremy Poffo's like top person to come on, if, if you could obtain anybody, if you could obtain anybody. Um,
0: I'd really like to get Chris Jericho in an interview. If anything, just to thank him for the positive impact that he's had on my career uh, for the, the Jericho Award that uh, he was so kind to award to me in 2021 that I definitely want to make the most of. Um, you know, I'd love to have Chris Jericho in an interview. Love to have him in a match too. It's the match that I've been seeking the most. And I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. It's one of those things. I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep speaking it into existence. You know, believe, conceive, achieve. It is a real thing. And um, yeah, I I think that that would be the top interview, at least in professional wrestling, that I would like to have. Um, Speaking from a more business standpoint, um, I would definitely love to have Tony Khan in an interview because I believe that, you know, once he has a chance to sit across from Jeremy Prophet, he'll see the value in what I have and know that, you know, we can do a lot of great business together. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist uh, or, uh, you know, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, to be able to recognize what I bring to the table uh, in the many aspects of my game. So, yeah, that, that on a more personal note, a more uh, selfish note, if you will, uh, would be a great interview that I'd love to have. Uh, but there's a lot of people I, I'd love to interview in wrestling. Uh, there's a lot that I've reached out to waiting to hear back. Uh, long waiting list. But, you know, anyone who's got a, a great story to tell, uh, a controversial story to tell. Uh, is what I like to sink my teeth into. Um, You know, I like to be able to get to the truth. And when it comes down to it, I think that a lot of people do interviews and they give people free passes. And it's not something I ever want to do. I bring a certain level of integrity to my journalism, but also I want to make sure the interviews are entertaining. Um, First and foremost, I don't want anyone to ever look up a Jeremy Prophet interview, whether it be on this fine show or any other one, and say, you know, that was a little lackluster. That was a little boring. Um, I, I want to make sure it's unpredictable. And then, you know, when I, when I get a guest on, I want it to be the same thing. I, I don't care if the person's going to get upset if we, we approach a touchy subject. And in my case, you know, I'm the same way because I'll get interviewers. Uh, you weren't one of them, but I'll get somewhere. They'll say, Oh, you know, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Is there anything? <laughs> that's is and I was like, no, I, how can I be the harbinger of truth? If you know, there's questions I don't want to answer you know, I've had people, I've interviewed them, and they say, oh, I can't talk about that. Oh, I don't want to talk. Can we talk about something else? Can we, look, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about anything you want. That, that's who I am. I wouldn't be, I'd have a hard time sleeping at night if I had to go and do interviews and say, I don't want to talk about that. This is an issue. You know, don't ask me about uh, Sammy Zane. Don't ask me about... Uh, you know, all, all of the cocoa Beware or, you know, all those different kinds of things that you can go watch a million interviews where I talk about these things. And yeah, they're controversial and they probably help with the ratings and whatnot, which is a good thing because ratings are good. But uh, I don't shy away from any of that, man. I'm not a coward. I'm, 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 I'm made different
3: than a lot of these people. <laughs> I'm glad I said this. Was, I didn't say was anything you didn't want to talk about because I have, I have done that with certain guests. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. fortunately, I didn't do that, and I'm glad, glad I didn't say that to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Just outside of wrestling, what, what are your interests, man? Because I know we've been very heavy on the wrestling, of course, but other stuff that, in, you know, you like?
0: I mean, not very much. Uh, my, my life revolves around wrestling. I think it's why I'm as good as I am at what I do. Um, you know, there will be people who will talk about Oh, my favorite part of wrestling is the road trips, is the, 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 the interaction with the fans, the parties. The, the, look, my favorite part of the wrestling is, is the actual wrestling, is the thing that the paying customer is expecting me to do because they're my employer. Uh, wrestling is the thing I love. Uh, you know, I know people, even people who've been successful in the business, and they say, oh, you know, I, just, I wish I had a day off, but, but I wish I didn't have days off. I wish I could do this every single day. It's what I love doing, and I mean that. And, you know, by the grace of God, I've been lucky to have never been injured, to have never had outside responsibilities that prevent me from wrestling. You know, I don't have a family. I don't have uh, other – I don't have kids. I don't have the the things that would drag me away from – my focus is 100% on wrestling, and that's all I care about. Uh, Outside of wrestling, I do things related to wrestling. Uh, You know, I, I go to the gym. Uh, Every single day, sometimes multiple times a day um, for wrestling. I I make sacrifices in my nutrition and the things I eat uh, for wrestling. So I can, you know, look the way I look, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I do, do I do other activities? When I think about it, not really. My, my, my life mostly revolves around wrestling. Uh, I I enjoy watching the occasional hockey game on TV, Um, you know, but, but everything else, everything that I do, it's, 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 pertaining to wrestling even in what i watch like i try to watch as much wrestling as possible um everything just revolves back to wrestling because i want to be a master at what i do uh i, I want to you know have a, have a phd and a master's degree and, and then some when it comes and field experience when it comes to professional wrestling i want to be overqualified for this business so yeah it's, it's not a lot of activities If any outside of stuff that relates right back to the reason we're having this interview, professional wrestling.
3: That's paid, Batman. No, that's cool. That's cool. Absolutely. Now I'm going to talk. I'm a big. I'm a big fan of AEW. You're saying you watch the product and stuff. I am a big fan. I think um, I've got to be honest with you. I think there's too many titles in there now. In my personal opinion, that's fan perspective. You're you're, you're a worker. You're a wrestler. So I want to get your psyche. I think um, you know it's great. It's great having the New Japan involvement and stuff. And obviously they've got Ring of Honor and Impact and stuff. But I I feel I feel the roster's too chocked and they haven't got enough TV time for everybody now. Personally. Um, I think they've added well to the women's division. The women's division needed that. But what are your thoughts as it pertains to AEW? Because they're still relatively new. It's only three years in, man.
0: Yeah. Well, you bring up a lot of uh, different points there. Um, let me start with one that stood out to me. So you said you feel that there's not enough TV time. Um, how, much, how much AEW do you watch? Because, I mean, AEW certainly takes up a lot of my week in terms of watching all of their programming when you consider uh, elevation, elevation, Dark, Dynamite, and Rampage. Uh, and then sometimes when they have a pay-per-view that's almost as long as you know, all of those combined uh, at the end of the week. That, that's a lot of TV time. So you right. do need
1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at
3: chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: I mean, in terms of Rampage and Dynamite, yeah. that's, that's where I'm going with it. Because obviously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of top-end talent in there now. I just feel maybe maybe extend rampage by an hour that's what I think, but that's obviously to do with contracts, broadcasting stuff like that. That's what I would personally be looking at. you know I get, I get what he's trying to do. I just think it's chocked, it's chocks and knives. I think there's too many there's too much going on now personally. that's a personal you know and I still love it. I still love it, but yeah, I just think we've gone from one extreme to the other.
0: Well, I mean when it comes down to it it's it's a roster filled with talented performers. Um, I don't doubt that there's probably a certain level of complacency there amongst some of them mm. where, you know, I, I get the same paycheck, whether I work on every show, whether I'm on every week mm. or whether I don't. And then suddenly life becomes easy because you can pay your bills. You can, uh, you know, live a, a fun, free life where, you know, it's not necessarily about going out there and proving that you're the best. See, it's something that I never want to lose. And I don't think I ever will because I've had such a hard road to get there. So mm. for me, it's like, No. I'm not just happy being on dynamite, you know, one out of every three weeks. Uh, you know, I want to be a, a main fixture. I want to be, I want to be the I'm going for the jugular, man. I'm going to, you know, tear people's throats out and watch them bleed to death. You know, I'm going to take money off of people's, out of people's pockets and take food off of people's tables. I want people's children to go unfed uh, because I'm there, because that's how competitive I am. And I mean that obviously metaphorically, but when it comes down to it, I, I think that the talent There are talent that are complacent. There are talent that are hungry. And the cream always rises to the top. So, you know, from from what I see, it's not a case of there's too much talent, not enough TV time. I think that some people are just very happy where they are. Others maybe have a bit more ambition. Um, When it comes to championships, I don't think there are too many championships. You you look at the heyday of the attitude era. We had, you know, the, the WWE title, the intercontinental title, the European title, the hardcore title. Uh, The tag team titles, Uh, you know, it was, it was, you you had all of these things. So yeah, AEW, maybe they have a bit more, but even if you go by the WCW model, you had there, you know, a world title, tag team titles, television title, United States championship. Uh, You had a hardcore title as well. And so I don't think that it's too much of an issue. Um, I think that with the roster that they have, plus with ring of honor, I think that there, there's a lot of equity. There's a lot of room for a lot of talents to be placed at the appropriate level for their level of comfort. If they don't want to work as much, then you know, maybe they could have a lighter schedule and still uh, exist. Where And put over the ones who are more ambitious and are going to be you know, cornerstones and key fixtures of the company as well. Uh, I think it's not about what you have and having too much. It's you know being able to use the right pieces in the right places. And maybe they haven't figured that out yet. I don't know. I don't want to be critical of a company that uh, I could one day work for, and no, they of up this clip, and, and they they say mm. that oh Jeremy Brock said <laughs> this about us and whatnot, and he must know better uh, or think he does and whatnot. It's not my place to say because I'm not the one signing the checks. But when it comes down to it, I think that more wrestlers, more championships, more TV time, it, it just means you know more of an opportunity for a guy like me. So speaking from the wrestler perspective, mm-hmm. I actually I actually think that you know all of this together, it just means opportunity more championships for me to add to the collection, and uh, more hours of TV time for me to get my message out there, represent and create a long-lasting legacy.
3: To extend off that, who who'd you like watching on, on their show, man? On AEW? Yeah, yeah, on AEW, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, Chris Jericho's work is always fantastic. Um, you know, he's, he's compelling from week to week. Uh, there's a lot of guys I enjoy watching on their uh Man, uh, you know, Hangman had a really good run, mm. you know, despite the fact that he, you know, blatantly stole the buckshot lariat from me, who was doing it before he ever uh, laced up a pair of boots in professional wrestling. And you can look that up, that, you know, Jeremy Prophet had done the, the buckshot lariat before Hangman Page was even a wrestler. Uh, that speaks to the longevity of me, because, you know, I doubt they put us side by side. Anyone would think I'm older than him. Actually, I think I'm only a little bit older than him. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, I enjoy watching his work, um, you know. Uh, Brian Danielson, enjoy watching his work as well, whether it was in WWE, Ring of Honor, you know, AEW. Uh, and again, I say that from a perspective of, you know, these are guys who are my, my, my peers. You know, it's not like I look up to these guys. Even Chris Jericho, who is a huge inspiration. These are guys that I, I want to get in the ring and I want to mess these guys up. You know, I want to tear their heads off and spit down their throats. I want to put their heads through car windshields. I want to I get in there and, and really mix it up with all these guys. Uh, I don't see them, you know, I said this with Wrestling Academy where it's like people would ask me, what do you think of your competition in Wrestling Academy? And I'd tell them, no, nah, man, my, my competition is Roman Reigns. My competition is, is you know, Kenny Omega, people like that. You know, my competition is not guys at the independent wrestling level. You know, these are guys who are here and good for them. They're still kind of learning the tricks of the trade. My competition is not people who've been doing this seven or eight years. You know, my competition is people who've been doing this as long as me, um, Who have ascended to a higher level, but I do believe that I'm one of those high-level talents. I'm one of the best in the world. I unfortunately have not been given a big enough stage and a bright enough spotlight to showcase that. But put up or shut up. You give me that opportunity. I know that if you bet on me, it's going to generate revenue and it will be a winning perspective.
3: There we go. (laughs) If you can't believe, if you can't believe in yourself, man, then you know that that's it. It's 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 done. It's done. the
0: interview, the, the never-ending Jeremy Proffitt. No, no,
3: but hey, you've got, you've got to. This, this is what I wanted. This, uh, this is what I want. This is, uh, this is what the kids and youngsters need to see who want to get in the business. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with your, your way, you know, how you do it.
0: Well, because in, in my case, I will not accept anything less than success, and I'm willing to fight for it tooth and nail uh, aggressively. I don't care who I have to roll over. I don't care whose life I have to ruin. I, I don't care what it takes. Uh, I will not accept anything less than success. So you have a lot of these people who are very happy to be there. Hey, it's a very Canadian way of being to just kind of be happy to be here and be humble. And, you know, it's like we're we're taught that we're second class citizens or third class citizens in North America, uh, despite the fact that we're all Americans, even if we're not from the United States portion of the continent of North America. Um, I'm not like that. I, I march to a beat of my own drum. And I'm very aggressive about what I believe in and what I want to accomplish. And so I'm not going to be this happy-go-lucky. I'm just going to be me. Me is real, is rough, authentic, off the cuff. Not everybody's cup of tea. But you know what? I'm I'm authentically me from start to finish. And that's how I intend on representing at this level, same way as when I make it to the top. So you can guarantee you're going to get the same Jeremy Prophet here today that you're going to get when I am that first black Canadian world champion. And I ain't going to apologize to nobody about it.
3: Now to me, where can the viewers and listeners find you in terms of social media? Yeah, just just a bit, just a bit of promotion because you can do the self promotion. That's that's not a problem. That's not an issue. But yeah, just uh, let let the viewers and listeners know, man, where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me. Best places
0: on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. It's at Jeremy Prophet. J E R E M Y P R O P H E T. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue as nice as uh, Jeff Jarrett when he used to spell his name, but. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Prophet on Twitter. Follow me on there if you like this interview. Yeah, go on, give me a follow. I could use more followers. Uh, it's tough getting followers when you're in Canada. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at the real Jeremy Profitt. And as always, you can see me on just about every episode, or at least every good episode uh, of Jofo in the Ring. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Jofo in the Ring, and most important of all, on YouTube on the Jofo in the Ring page. Feel free to go on there and subscribe, and uh, we'll continue to pump out exciting enlightening content uh that might just be entertaining as well if anything unintentionally um with that said you can also go vote for me at wrestling academy help propel me further because in the competition it comes down to the fans votes the fans votes are 60 percent the judges votes are 40 percent pretty sure i'm already going to have the judges because uh you know unless you you you're an absolute uh uh bigot There is no way that you would not vote for Jeremy Proffitt after seeing the performance that I put on on that first round. Uh, So you can go on there. You can vote for me. Votes are $1.50 Canadian, uh, but well worth it to help propel my career forward and help to allow me to get the opportunity to go to the Nightmare Factory uh, and to mix it up with some of the best in the world because, you know, I'm stuck here in Canada. The laws make it tough for us to go there. So if you want to see me fight the top people in AEW, you want to see me fight the young bucks, the... Hangman Pagers, the Kenny Omegas, the the CM Punks, the Danielsons, the Moxleys, all of them. You want to see me and Chris Jericho finally happen. You know, your vote can actually make that happen. So I'm not trying to say, hey, vote for me because I'm a good looking guy and I talk really nice. I'm saying go vote for me because you feel that I am the most deserving to win that competition. Objectively, all I've needed is the same level playing field as anyone else. And I know that my talent will be showcased and rise to the occasion. So go on there, watch the episode, vote for me, help get me further, and help me to best represent all the people out there that have been grinding and struggling and never giving up on getting to where they feel they should be. This is a fight that we're all in, and all of us together, there's no way we can't succeed
3: perfect absolutely perfect a big big thank you sir canadian wrestling veteran you are a wrestling veteran sir it is mr jeremy prophet and i look forward to getting this one out man because i know there's a lot lot of insight there and yeah just thank you for coming on stew's wrestling podcast today man oh
0: thank you Stu. appreciate you having me on and if anytime you want to have me back on just let me know it'll be my pleasure
3: Fantastic from Jeremy Prophet there, and you can vote for him. Lutes Academy, the final is this Sunday in Canada. And if you go to lootacademy.ca, you can vote for Jeremy Prophet, the harbinger of truth. Please, please do. So much confidence. He's been around the business for many, many years. He deserves it. I've got to be fair. He deserves it after all his years of scratching and clawing and what he can do in the ring as well, as you've just heard. And also check out some of his stuff, his podcasting stuff on JoFoPod as well. There's loads of stuff with ex-wrestlers, current wrestlers. So yeah, definitely worth a listen or a watch, however you digest your podcasts. And we'll be back very, very soon for episode 128 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Thank you once again for listening or viewing. Take care, all the best.
2: Chumba, ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. all work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.